The Faculty Futures Lab is a project of the SDSU Initiative for Inclusive Leadership, a faculty-led effort to grow capacity to lead within institutions of higher education in complex and uncertain times. Funded by the President's Budget Advisory Committee. Learn more at fa.sdsu.edu. All guests speak from their own expertise and experience, not for San Diego State University. Welcome to the Faculty Futures Lab. My name is Joanna Brooks, and this is episode 1.8, Kitchen Table Determination, featuring the fourth installment of the winners of SDSU's Spring 2020 Faculty Forward Awards. Professors Deborah Bejarano and Annette Rea, who are lecturers in math education at SDSU Imperial Valley. And you're going to hear them talk about how they resourcefully figured out how to teach kinesthetically in the virtual domain, and about their incredible students who were determined to keep learning and help their peers keep learning no matter what. Please listen. First and foremost for us was maintaining the integrity of what we teach because we're teaching university students to be teachers and the whole pedagogy of our uh, class is that the best way to teach math is through hands-on concrete activities that gradually take a student from a concrete concept in math and move them to the abstract, which is where the textbooks are at. So with the whole idea being that by doing this, they're going to understand why things make sense and why that equation works or why that formula works because they will have manipulated things and played with things that make sense to them. So faced with going to a virtual format, we were just um, so determined to maintain that approach. And the big question was, we teach hands-on concrete activities in a distant virtual format. That was the challenge. It's a huge challenge. We were so determined to do it. And it was it was pretty, when we look back on it, it it's pretty humorous to us because I saw Annette coming up with ideas and she would be explaining it to me. And I'm like, okay, I don't have a clue what you're talking about, but <laughs> you go for it. You work that up and, and show it to me when you're done. And then she says, that I was doing the same thing, that I, I had all these ideas, like, we can do this, like this, and like that. And she was like, okay, I don't know. You're so determined to do it that way. It doesn't make sense, but you go for it. And so we both, you know, grabbed um, activities that we had a vision for, and we came up with something that was interactive, um, you know, through the Zoom using different applications like Google Slides, Nearpod. Um, and we presented it to each other and we were just amazed. And then we did it with the class and it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Annette, what do you want to add on to that? Well, the irony is, is this program is so anti-computer technology. It's, it's, 
just it it the two don't mesh together so we we teach math 910a but it's integrated with a math program that we know like the back of our hands i mean i taught it for i think five years debbie's taught it for over 10 years and it's a program that was really developed through dr ponce back in the days when he was a teacher and um and we've used it for after school trainings and so it's just it's a uh, summer school institutes, uh, helping high schoolers, kids really of all ages. And it's, you know, eventually it developed into a program that we taught from kindergarten until high, through high school. So we have this amazing program that we've meshed into um, teaching math to elementary school teachers, you know, complemented, of course, with research and textbooks. And it was a beautiful program. We were so excited to bring what we knew so well to share for the first time with adults. I mean, we've taught it to other teachers, but teachers in training, this was like a new platform for us. So we were incredibly enthusiastic. And this program is generally delivered in a box. So in that box are manipulatives, games, cards, or lots of decks of cards, what you can teach in math with a deck of cards. And you have all these incredible little resources and activities that really teach conceptual learning and math. And to have that completely removed and said and be told, you know, we have a one week pause and in one week we have to start rethinking everything that we know. And we have to start looking at our own conceptual understanding of math and how do we bring it through a spring? And let me tell you, <laughs> it's, it was like trying to use the very tools that you were told, not told, but trained that, yeah, technology is awesome and you can use it for a lot of things, but we need to get to really understanding in the brain. We need to be able to connect kinesthetically. And that's mm -hmm. hard to do with a computer screen. And so... <laughs> So the challenge was to not lose, like Debbie said, that bar that we set, that bar was conceptual understanding of mathematics, the whys of math. And what, what she was explaining was that we had two different areas that we went into. You know, I was trying to figure out, okay, we had a number line. We had a human number line. Okay. We had people. We were so proud of this activity where you're standing there holding a string that now becomes a number line and students can start to see relationships of numbers through this number line. We don't have the ability to have two students stand. So we were trying to create how do we get our kids to have that experience without actually standing? So, I mean, again, visually you see things. We're not borrowing somebody else's material. <laughs> we had no idea where to find manipulatives on the internet. I mean, and we're teachers, elementary school teachers. If there were a lot of easy, easy access programs, we would have known them unless it's a program that is like a curriculum program geared specifically for elementary schools. So we don't really have a lot of resources out there. So we had to create our own. 
And I, when Debbie says, I had ideas, <laughs> I would tell her, I'm like, oh, we can make our own little stickies because we use stickies in our post-it notes. And um, it's something that is used throughout everything we teach in the math. And I'm like, we don't have stickies anymore. How are we gonna do this? So I was hand creating stickies. And let me tell you, when Debbie found out recently how I made those stickies, I'm telling you, it was old school. It was a lot of labor, but it was a labor of love because we wanted our students to really see the math. And that was the part we were not willing to compromise on. So the hours that it took for a program, we were already very well prepared for. We started this semester with all of the trainings, all, you know, everything organized, ready to go. And we couldn't rely on any of it. Right. So we had to start from scratch in a week. And I, we didn't finish it all in a week, but we got our brains going. And, and we literally spent, I'm telling you, the wee hours of the morning trying to put together what it would look like. And it's not a program you can box up and say, hey, this is what we did. It worked for what we needed then. And, and I thought it worked very well. So we got really creative in, in creation of, of conceptual understanding. <laughs> so what was, what was each of your favorite solution? Like activity, product that you came up with, adaptation? What was, what was each of your favorite thing i'm gonna well, for I'm gonna me share first if you don't mind deb because i'll just continue. okay go ahead it was the number line for me um i i found i made my own little sticky notes um that were movable on a screen and i was just using um a blackboard chalkboard background and created a number line and where the, the connection came for us is that all the students were on the same, um, the same, I would just send them the link. So everybody was on the same screen and it was just one slide, but all the numbers were at the bottom of the screen, the little, um, the little stickies were at the bottom and they had to, we would call names. We worked together on that. Debbie would call the names during the Zoom session and they would then unmute their mic, grab the next sticky, tell us what the number was, and then they would tell us where it would go on the number line and how did you know it goes there. And we were dealing with fractions. You know, first we started off with whole numbers, but you know, we were dealing with fractions and improper fractions and knowing where to place them. And it was, it's a very difficult lesson for students in the first place because of the, you have to have, you're visually seeing math now instead of trying to calculate it. So to do it in this form was very different, but it was the, it was the closest thing. What do you think, Deb, to uh, the real thing? <laughs> yeah, it, it's actually without those virtual uh, number lines that Annette created and these virtual sticky notes that she created, um, without us doing that activity um, in any way of teaching this class, whether it's in person or online, you, you you really pull the rug out from under everything else that we're trying to do. It's it's the the basic foundation from where we start. So it was the most important thing for us to figure out. And you know the way she was able to create these virtual sticky notes that students could manipulate and move on the screen, and we could use our questioning strategies. So the whole idea is instead of telling them where to put it, 
we ask them why they put it there. And if it's not in the right place, we continue to ask questions that help them through a thought process that guides them to the proper placement of the number on the number line, whether we're doing whole numbers, fractions, decimals, or percents. So really the teaching is in the questioning. And the, the number line is just a tool that we use to promote that thought process. So the students need to go through this brain activity in order to really see what these numbers represent in time and space. Um, so that for me was one of my favorite things because without it, you know, a lot of the other things that we did would have still worked, but wouldn't have had the same depth of understanding that they could have had without the number line activity. And then I, we have this other activity we do with a Hershey chocolate bar where the students break up Hershey chocolate bar to represent different fractional numbers. And so um, Annette, this was another one of her babies. She had the idea and she created um, a virtual chocolate bar that students could break apart. And it was a slide deck, a Google slide deck. And in class, everyone's working on their desk. So in the virtual class, everyone grabbed a slide. Everyone grabbed a slide and would do the work on the slide and then we would share it out. We do a lot of um, small group sharing and we do a lot of uh, debriefing with students. And in that, we were able to do the Zoom breakout groups and have them still share in small groups and come back and share with the whole class. So we were able to maintain that activity. Um, there is an activity that we do. Um, it's one of my favorites, which teaches um, how to solve equations through dancing and through, um, <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, right? But we did it um, using Zoom. And Annette was like, I don't know how you're going to do that. Are you sure you still want to do that? And I'm like, yes, we have to do it, you know, because it's just so fun. And everything that we're doing, um, the whole big concept is math is fun. Math is fun. And when math is fun and you're having fun learning math, then all of those filters that people put up when they just hear the word math <laughs> come down. And so... We we were looking at, you know, it's already a pandemic, you know, all these filters are up, all these walls are up, and everyone's, you know, in Maslow, you know, basic needs mode, you know, and, and how do we address that? We're teaching math during a pandemic, so it's like double walls, <laughs> you know, and we just wanted to keep it fun for our students because when, when we keep it fun and we show them how things that they didn't get when they were in grade school, middle school, and high school, because they would ask the teacher why, and the teacher would say, I don't know, we just do it that way. That frustration that you feel when a teacher can't explain to you why it works is why people lose their love for math. And we really didn't want that to happen. So we found a way to maintain the integrity of these activities so that they were having fun and, and their aha moments and their light bulbs coming on, even though it was virtual. And that for me was the best thing, the most exciting thing that we were able to maintain that 
um, communication between them and also their, their positive experiences with the math activities. So was the dancing your favorite solution or did you have a different solution that was your favorite solution? Um, you know, I don't know if I have one favorite one, but I, I, I'd say the number line is right up there. Absolutely. Um, and just the, the collaboration that we were able to still have in a virtual format. Um, we have a card games we play. We have dominoes. We have dice games. Um, so, you know, I, I think I'll have to say, you know, besides that being a favorite solution, um, a favorite surprise for me was um, how we usually have to um, set up an environment for the university students to have an experience with um, a grade school student. So we have to set up times, they have to get clearances to come to the classroom, the public school classroom, and to come in and interview students and watch how they solve problems. Well, we couldn't do any of that. And so a lot of our card games, our dice games, and our domino games had to be done at home with whomever was in the home with them. And they also had the option, if they were sheltering alone, to play solitaire style, or they could Zoom with another classmate, and they could play it with each other through Zoom. These games have to be, I mean, really should be played with another person. These students had brothers and sisters of all different ages, nieces and nephews, and parents. And and because all- And they're sheltering in place. (laughs) Yeah, because, because all of us have had these experiences in our childhood that, that, you know, left a bad taste in our mouth with math because it wasn't taught in a fun way. Um, the students that were playing these games with their mom or their dad, and, and for them to watch their parents go, oh, have their parents have that light bulb turn on and to see, you know, that their parents even had this fear of math and, oh, I can't do it. You know, math's too hard for me. Um, and then the students that played the games with younger siblings and they were really competitive, you know, because they're brothers, you know, or their sister and brother. And to see how their younger siblings had those light bulbs come on and loved the games and how they learned and saw that learning happening before their eyes with people whom they love. For me, that was just like, ah, <laughs> you know, that was like the best surprise for me. So we would send out the activity, Debbie had all the instructions, and then they had a reflective piece in the end. And so we were reading these reflections of how they played these games. Like Debbie said, it was a surprise because I don't think either of us realized, oh, wow, they're in the perfect environment. They need something to do. They're at home. And um, when she said they have to cut out all the pieces, I'm like, I don't know how that's going to work, but it's okay. We're going to try it and see how it works. And it just, it worked beautifully because it gave them something to do. And then again, like Debbie said, it's math for elementary teachers and their younger siblings are like, oh, this is cool. So it had a double, you know, reward from that, from those activities. I, you know, I was, I've been wondering since we sent everybody home and shut the campus down, how much 
people could use their housemates and their family members for those sort of hands-on projects. So I'm really glad to hear that you guys did that and that it worked so well because it seems like uh, Carrie Ann Quick, who's in um, the, who runs the jewelry program, is one of the other faculty forward winners, and you know she had she's like my students can't make jewelry at home the way we would in the in the workshop in the studio because they don't have all of the tooling and they don't have the metals and they don't have the torch and they don't have this and they don't have that, so she had them she gave them an assignment to make stuff with the things they found in their house. Like take one thing from this room and one thing from this room. And this is the same kind of spirit of, of who's, who's available to you to, to do this project with, which I think is super cool. And so I'm delighted. I'm thrilled for you guys. that it, I'm thrilled to know that it worked because then it means that that do stuff with your family, do stuff with the people who are around you is a possible solution for, for some kinds of instructional activities right now. How did you, what else did you do to create a sense of community? Socio-emotional is so important to me. Um, Being aware of where we are emotionally is already something that is a part of me as a teacher, um, as a parent, you know, as my personal experiences. So being aware of, you know, where our, our students are was a really big concern for us. And it was something that we had you know, discuss that we keep that, you know, that, that connection somehow. And that's why we really embraced Zoom. We probably embraced it too much because students were saying, no one else is Zooming every week. Why are we? (laughs) Well, we're not everybody. (laughs) This is a different kind of a class. And so meeting with them on a weekly basis, um, having those conversations about where their struggles are, what are they having, you know, and and having open Q&A in a forum, you know, where they can still talk. I know that our students took on an an area that I, you know, they had shared with us later on, that they had their own little connection with each other where they were texting. It was like a little... um, I don't know, forum that they were using and they were constantly communicating with each other. And it was pretty cool because when they had a concern, they kind of had a member that would share what their concerns were and then we would address them. So it was, they felt comfortable to come to us when they had questions about things. We didn't shut off the the Zoom. We kept it every week. Mm -hmm. And, And you know, we had perfect attendance, which I think was phenomenal. We had a student that had to shelter in place um, in, in a remote place and had forgotten to take her textbooks with her. And another student was taking pictures of the textbook pages with their phone and sending them to her so she could do her readings, so she could do her flip grade responses. It, I mean, it was just unbelievable. Some of the things, we, we had students Zooming with us from their car. We had Zooming with us from their kitchen table with their whole family, you know, around them and cooking. And, you know, it was just where they were at, you know, at any given moment sometimes was, was just not ideal for learning. And they did it. Mm-hmm. They 
did it like champions. I have so much respect for them. I just want to reinforce how exciting it is to hear about the way you were able to maintain your momentum and and find ways to work to do kinesthetic hands-on stuff remotely I mean such a challenge and and you came up with such cool solutions and I you know I've been uh I've been talking to new faculty this week also and a lot of them are really concerned about how to create a sense of community in the classroom when they don't get to see them and um, I think I'm going to share the Flipgrid idea, both because it creates a way of, of making responding to readings kind of in some ways faster and easier and more informal. And it seems like it would do a community, it would do some of that create community mm-hmm. um, function. Um, you know, I was just looking at what I was answering um, to one of your your last questions about, you know, if we're going to continue to do all of this. Um, she, Annette and I both took the Flexible Design Institute State this last summer, and it, it really did huge things in opening our minds and our eyes to the, the possibilities and what we can do and, and how, you know, like Annette said, the social emotional part of it is so huge. Um, there's a great article that I just read. Um, you have to Maslow before you can bloom. <laughs> and it's so true because um, reflecting on, you know, these questions that you gave us, I thought about how when we walk into a classroom anywhere, we can walk through that door and leave the whole world behind us, you know, and leave our troubles, our problems, and just be whoever we are inside that classroom for that hour or two hours. And, and sometimes even though someone may be dealing with a lot, whether it's the professor or the students, maybe dealing with a lot at home, they, they, can, they can have, they can take leave of it for a little while and just kind of put it out of their minds and, and, and be in their, their classroom world. But with virtual learning, we can't do that. You know, with virtual learning, the whole world is in the classroom with us. And we have to teach students where they're at, um, whatever their environment is, and be really sensitive to that. We have students that don't want anyone to see where they live. You know, they're, they're, they're embarrassed of where they're having to Zoom from. You know, and we, we have teachers in our school district, El Centro Elementary, that are creating virtual backgrounds for them so they can hide where they are, you know, just so they can feel safe. And all their classmates aren't going to see their home or their room where they're at. And, and if, if we don't meet these emotional needs and these basic needs of our students and, and teaching them wherever they're at, then we're never going to be able to get to the lesson. You know, the, the lesson's never going to get truly delivered to them. And, and that has to be the first thing that we spend time with is making those connections with our students and getting them to trust us.